This is the Nassiman Hockey Podcast with James Nichols and John Zella. Welcome back to another edition of the Nassiman Hockey Podcast. If you're wondering why you're hearing John's voice first, it's because Jay's been out with a, a little bit of the vid. He's feeling under the weather and uh, he's feeling better. I talked to him right before the show, um, but filling in for him is the one and only Joe Pantorno. Joe, how are you feeling? You've you got your second shot uh, and you're recovering. Yeah, yeah. I got my second shot yesterday. Uh, it's in the process of knocking me on my butt, but there's uh, there's too much work to be done uh, to kind of wallow in this uh, in this pain and discomfort. So uh, while Jay really goes through it, we're, we're hoping he's feeling better. And uh, I'll try to hold down the fort, but this uh, oddly feels like, you know, the first time going to the Coliseum without my dad as like a 14-year-old. So, you know, legs are kind of shaking. But other than that, I think we're I think we're ready to go. Yeah, I'm, now I'm, you got me thinking about the first time I went without my grandpa or something like that. I don't know that I can remember. It was probably at 15 or 16, something close to that, like going with your friends or something. Or they, you know, yeah. we got, I well, when we were that age, tickets were, you show your, your high school ID or something. And what were tickets? 14 bucks? Yeah, I, I'm not even sure if I had that. So I had to scrounge up loose change. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but that was like uh, the equivalency of, of like a bar mitzvah for me. Like I became a man the day I went to the Coliseum for the first time. I'm, I, I'm sure that's a lot of people's experience. It's a, <laughs> I'm happy that it's finally going to be in the past. I think I've said that before. Like it's sad to see it go. Sure. But I'm happy that saga is over. And that we can just officially close the door. They're not going to be back for any reason, um, unless it's like alumni or something. I'm sure they'll make a reason to come back in one way or another. But, you know, it'll be Belmont moving forward and definitely happy about that. Um, we're going to hit some a quick NHL piece of news here that is a little bit old at this point, but I want to talk to you about it a little bit. What was your opinion on the Tim Peel? situation i i've heard a lot of different things um i'm not really sure where i sit with it i've i've heard a lot from other people so um i'll continue that learning process um what what what's your what are your thoughts on that you, you know it's it's kind of like uh when you read the jungle for the first time where you you wanted to know how the sausage was made but then you actually found out how it was and you were just kind of like ugh, like how many, how many times have we watched a hockey game, and I've said this ad nauseum since, how many times have you watched a hockey game and been like, that's a suspect call, or that's a makeup call, or why are the refs putting away their whistles now? This doesn't make any sense. Um, it's just a weird way that they've kind of policed it, and and this has happened forever, at least in my lifetime, where you know it's, it's not a coincidence that most hockey games you see, the penalties are even uh, between each side. And um, whether that's the NHL trying to strong arm their referees into calling a you know more entertaining product and trying to keep the fans involved in, in a close game, or I, I'm not really sure. But um, you know we've all kind of speculated this for a long time, and and, and now that we've seen it happen, there's there's some vindication um, that we that we heard what Tim Peel said, and. Um, you know, I think now it just puts more pressure on the NHL when they had kind of been fledgling through a player safety crisis and, and an officiating crisis, really, too, after the whole Tom Wilson hit on Brandon Carlo. Um, you know, that play wasn't originally penalized. And, um, you know, they come down with a soft suspension for a repeat offender. So it's 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 not a good look for the NHL. And they've been dealing with a lot over the last month or two. And uh, this kind of takes the cake here where. Not, it's not necessarily on the uh, Tim Donahue NBA level where they're fixing games, but sure. at the same time, you know, officials have a huge influence on these games. And when they call it like this, um, you can see, and, and it's exacerbated that much more. Did we already know this, though? Like you, you alluded to, we've not only suspected it, we've heard play-by-play -play announcers or color, who, whatever you want to call it, the Brendan Burks. We've heard them say this before. This should people be this upset? Like, I feel like people heard it and they were like, wow, now that it's said out loud, I don't like it. Is do you think that's what it was? Should we be this upset knowing what we know already? 
it's it's kind of it's the inconvenient truth. We all knew it was there, but we all just kind of wanted to ignore it and keep it in the background. And uh, you know, it is what it is. Because listen, it you know that rule, that style of officiating benefits your team at some point. Whether you take a couple of early penalties, uh, you know, and you're you know you have two early penalties and the other team doesn't have any, the referees kind of put their whistles away. Or if you're you know if it's if you're trailing two nothing and you're on the penalty kill and there's a blatant hook and the referees don't call it. We, we see that all too often. They're like, why aren't they calling it? Um, yeah, well, so- doesn't this kind of benefit good teams? Like if you call Tampa versus, I was going to say Columbus, but that's not a good example. Uh, Columbus versus the Devils or, or Buffalo, if they were playing each other this season, you can call four penalties on each team. Tampa is going to take advantage of those four much. It's much more likely they take advantage of those four penalties or power plays than it is that the Sabres do. So doesn't it benefit? And and, and this is a segue kind of to the NHL wants parity in the league. And this is a way for them to kind of keep that. You know, they want the good teams to do well, but it does. It keeps the middle of the pack where they get these offensive opportunities. They wanted more offense so whether it was you know the the penalties were six to two or four to four it was still the same amount of excitement in the game it didn't matter who did it but if you keep the score close and higher they wanted to get it to be five to four games or six to five games versus three to two or two to one like we saw you know pre the first full season lockout oh three uh oh five oh six of oh four or five was the lockout so before that, they tried to eliminate that kind of debt, you know, put the dead puck error away. The scoring is not up all that much anymore. Um, do, do you think it's just a matter of they want to maintain the parity in the league and this helps it? And does it ultimately help good teams anyway? Yeah, it's, that's a great point. And uh, I, I think you're definitely onto something with the hopes that this maintains parity because at the end of the day, we're talking about a league that is seriously lagging behind in popularity compared to the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball. And, you know, what I think a lot of hockey fans can hang their hat on um, and what they have been able to hang their hat on for so many years is that there has been parity in their league. And, you know, how many times when it's playoff time, and, and I know I'm guilty of it too, uh, the NHL players are the most entertaining, you know, postseason in all of the major professional sports because you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, because you are going to have a Blue Jackets upset of the Stanley Cup favorite Lightning. You know, it's it's stuff. That's like, ridiculous. It, That's it, absolutely it, ridiculous. As other sports, it's a tight series. It's more like when the Islanders played the Penguins years ago, where they gave them a good scare, or even the Islanders against the Peng- the the Lightning last summer. Right? It was a good scare, but they weren't going to beat them. Right? You could hope all you want. A couple bounces. It's OT losses, things like that. But Tampa was meant to win. They were going to. That was just the the disparity as opposed to the parity. And yeah, I definitely I definitely see it. Where the NBA, a good team is just you're 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 gonna make it. Yeah. It's 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 very simple. And you know, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on further and you want to talk about how TV ratings play a part in it and how the NHL has its has its darling teams and maybe the officials have uh, you know, are told to maybe call some games in a certain way. Would that surprise me? No, it wouldn't. And, you know, that's mere speculation and me spitballing at this point, but I don't think it would surprise anybody, you know, if, you know, yeah. for example, uh, tonight even, the Flyers are playing the Sabres on NBC Sports and the Flyers are owned by NBC, especially after the scare they got last night, you know, something like that. And obviously I'm not watching the game right now, but, you know, say if the Flyers, uh, you know, have more power play chances, say like five to two, then you're going to start thinking about it. Something right. like that. So it's it, it's a whole big mess. And, and I don't think it's anything that's ever going to be solved, no matter what kind of, you know, politi- politically correct statement that the league puts out. Um, is it like this in baseball as far as the parity is concerned? Or are, is there a pretty clear distinction? I, I think there's a there's a money issue in baseball as far as the, the teams with the money seem to be able to just, they're better. They, they seem to do better with that. Is that the, is that the case or is there more parity than we think in baseball? There is more parity than we think 
because uh, we haven't had a repeat World Series winner since I think it was the Yankees uh, from you know their three peat from uh, ninety eight to two thousand. So I mean, yeah, you've had like these mini dynasties. You've had the the San Francisco Giants win like three and five, and you know the Red Sox win a couple in a three or four year span, but baseball allows for a surprising amount of parity because that's the sport where ultimately it's left the most up to the players. Sure, you know, umpires can influence the game with one bad call, but the game is so long and there are so many events. Every, every single thing can be dictated by a single pitch, you know, one, one hit, one error. Um, so most of the time it's the players on the field deciding what's going on. And um, I actually just had this conversation with my editor-in-chief at AM New York where if we're talking about a organizational officiating problem, I think you would put Major League Baseball at the bottom of the list in terms of how they can affect the game. You know, in the NFL, a referee can call back a big play because he saw a hold. And, you know, you'll see it on replay a thousand times and half the audience will see it and half the audience won't. Um, in the NBA, how many, you know, how many whistles do you get a game? There's no flow. It's every other play is a foul. And, you know, you can send a star player to the free throw line 20 times. And, you know, if he shoots four of 20 from the field, he still has a chance to put up 30 points because he's just getting the calls. Um, in baseball, it's not really like that. Uh, you know, you'll get a pitcher. You know, uh, an umpire can call his strike zone in a certain way, and, and, it, and both teams kind of have to adapt to it. Um, so it's... I don't know. I, I think baseball is a, uh, you know, there's the, the parity is underrated and it's, it's right there with hockey, I would say. I think we can get into a deep dive with officiating and maybe we'll do it when Jay comes back. But speaking of baseball, we're going to hop into On the Island, brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, grab your peanuts and popcorn. Uh, Joe, I know you're excited. You're, I know you're a big Islander fan, but I, I know you're a huge, huge baseball guy. And I know covering that beat for you is, is super exciting. Um, but baseball is back. That's right. Teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you back on the field with a free shot at a share of a million dollars in total prizes. Uh, just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up the points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. Um, but if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of a million dollars up for grabs this week for your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a, at a share of a million dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Definitely exciting. I always say I'm going to get into baseball every year. And I just, I always, I always just fall off and I never, I never follow. I said the same thing about basketball this year. I picked the Nets. Uh, maybe I'll follow it uh, when uh, playoffs roll around. But I think I got to get into baseball. How, how are the Mets looking? We'll do it real quick. How are the Mets looking? The Mets are looking good um, on paper. Uh, which we've seen that before. We've seen that before, um, but I think this time we really mean it. Uh, obviously, uh, they're they're an incredibly tough division, and yeah, I mean, uh, you, you're not wrong if you say this team wins the division, and you're not wrong if you say they finish in third either. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the NL East is a gauntlet, and you know the Mets have a, have a really good ball you know ball club, and there are a few things that might make or break their season. You know, looking at the bullpen looking at their starting pitching depth and, uh, you know, maybe if everybody stays healthy, but their lineup uh, might be the best that they've had in franchise history. And uh, who knows, maybe they can, maybe they can make some noise this year. Over in the Bronx, how are the Yankees looking? They're amazing. They're the Yankees, you know, they're yeah, uh, that's just what they do. They're the team to beat in the American league. And, um, you know, there's a lot less parity in the American league, speaking of that word. Um, and it's, it's their, not only their division in the AL East to lose, but it's also their pennant to lose because I think uh, some of the main players that we saw last year, the Rays, they took a step back trading Blake Snell. Um, the Blue Jays still have a you know a little bit more to go. The White Sox have a little bit more to go, and they lost um, Luis Robert for a few months. So it's you know it, again 
there's to lose. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, I, I got to go in on baseball this year. Uh, if we're going to be home and not doing a whole lot anyway, um, despite getting poked with the vaccine, <laughs> uh, we, we gotta, I got to sit out and watch, uh, watch some baseball games. I'd love to go to uh, – uh, we only have minor league baseball. The, the the Syracuse Mets, as a matter of fact, out of nowhere. I was going to say the Chiefs, but I remembered that they changed the, the name there. So um, maybe I, I could do a prospect report for you, Joe. Always. Keep you up to date. Take get you some pictures for an article. Um, on the island, on the ice, we go to the New York Islanders. Not a week that we wanted to see from them. Um, they go one and two. They play Boston. They win in overtime. Comeback win. Gritty. Um, something that we really do want to see. You know, like they they found a way to win. I think Barry Trotz has said that multiple times this season. I don't care how they do it just grind it out and make it happen. And when you put that game together with the games against Pittsburgh, specifically the first game against Pittsburgh, um, it doesn't look good. It's, it's not a week that you want. Um, what were your thoughts first against Boston? And then we'll get to Pittsburgh. What do you think about that game? Yeah. Uh, the, the Boston game was, you know, the, the first inkling that something was, was up. Um, you know, it's it, it, it was becoming kind of a worrisome theme where, you know, after they went down early to um, to Washington, you know, they come out against Boston and, and the blink of an eye, they're down to nothing. So there's, uh, you know, there's obvious concern, but they were, again, they were able to reel it back in, you know, and, and ultimately that is the sign of a good team, how they can battle back and, and good teams find a way to win. Um, and, you know, it, it sometimes it's just as easy as, a mental thing where the Islanders have Boston's number this year. And once, you know, once they got on the board and once they got that goalie change out of nowhere, um, you know, going into the second period where Rask looked pretty good. Right. That was lucky. Yeah. That they, was. And, and I was, um, I don't want to jump ahead, but I was kind of hoping the same thing would happen again in that second game against Pittsburgh sure. that, you know, maybe they like, they, they see that their mouth waters a little bit. And they and they jump all over because that's it kind of and I mean Halak has just not played well against the Islanders this year, so they their mouth was definitely watering a little bit when he jumped into the net, um, but but continue the re- the the rest of that game. Sorry, no no I mean and you know it's 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 been the usual cast of characters. I mean you know the the, the kids are stepping up and uh, the third line is stepping up and they've been easily their best line in uh, you know the last couple of weeks here so. Um, yeah, again, a lucky break. And, uh, I think I'm in the school of thought where if Tukaras does stay in that game, uh, the Islanders lose and we're talking about a three game losing streak now. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, not, uh, you know, it, it wasn't really the way to start off this week. Um, but like they said before, good teams find a way to win. Yeah. I, I like that. They, you know, it was. It was good. It was, it got them their you know their little three game winning streak after losing two games, um, the the week before, and we, we talked about that last week a, a little bit. Um, I do like it. I like that the third line you know is is kind of picking up the slack. Um, and I, I do want to talk about you know Barzal and Everly in, in a second um, in regard to the Pittsburgh series of games, um, but they they look. Um, they look good. I like Bavillier in that line. I think that bolsters it up, but I think there's an issue there with then the second line looks anemic and the first line looks anemic and they're, they're just not having those oppor- the same opportunities. So I, I think that's my issue with, you know, the, the Boston game looks great because that third line steps up and each one of them scores a goal, including Bavillier and the game winner. Um, but it just doesn't, over over the course of this you know next set of games which is really important you know to 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 start the the next month um it's not what we want to see this it's not a good trend um the the games in pittsburgh that that first one um sorokin was going to have another one of these games and and this one i think is more a little more honest he just had a bad game there's no excuse um what did you what did you think about the performance Again, that in that first game, and you can really, you know, these games kind of blend together a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that first game? Yeah. Um, and the Islanders didn't do much help 
in front of him either. And um, th this was the, the part where Barry Trotz and company started searching for answers that they still really don't have because uh, they came out and they got punched in the mouth where all of a sudden this was, you know, a Penguins team that the Islanders really kind of had their number with. Um, and they just kind of lost it. And, and Barry himself said it best where, you know, when, when we come out against the Penguins, we are, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, we find ourselves playing their style of play rather than forcing them to play our style of play. Um, and I think that's been kind of the big thing. Also, I think, um, and again, it's something that Barry Trotz alluded to, uh, this team's tired. It was their fourth game in a week, and, and you know, everybody's going through it for sure. Um, but we've kind of talked about it on this show before. This is a very intricate and difficult system to play at a high level at all times, especially during a very busy schedule. So swoons like this are expected. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be, uh, because we spend way too much time on, on Twitter, uh, there's going to be people hitting the panic button. So, so you don't think there's anything to, you know, uh, smushing those two games together. You don't think there's anything to panic about. I, I looked at that, that second game and I really expect it. And they did play better. The score indicated that at least. And Pittsburgh is just good. They, they seem to have this just never ending um system of guys that just step up and know that they're playing they get a chance to play with Sidney Crosby and Latang and they're not going to give up that opportunity. They they seem to just find these guys, you know, everyone keeps ranking their prospect pool really, really low. Yet every time they have a bunch of it, uh, injuries, their guys just come out of the woodwork. It's it's kind of incredible. Um so I kind of expected them to the Islanders that is to come out in that second game and just hammer them just to, to, to come out in a, just a different way after a blowout, even though you kind of crawled back a little bit, I expected them to come out and they just didn't. Um, I know Barzell had that, that rush, that great rush goal that he's really just shown this season. He's really not done that that often in the past. Um, but he, you know, he came out and, and had that rush goal and, and getting the, getting them to crawl back a little bit. And that's what got me to think, okay, they got some momentum. They know that they can score three goals on them. Um, they they got to come out this pedal to the floor. And it was still up and down. It's it's what I've been saying really all along, um, at least, you know, 51 episodes of this podcast and probably a lot of my writing uh, the, the year or two before that. It's a lack of consistency. And I know they have injuries. I know you don't want Komarov and Johnston in your lineup. Um, and you want more out of Bellows, but even your guys, um, Barzell is trying to do too much. He looks a lot like, and I want, I, you might even have this thought, but, um, you can chime in. He looks a lot like Tavares back a few years ago where he just was trying to put the team on his back a little too much and he made mistakes and it makes it, makes him look really bad. Um, I think what, what I was saying to you in the chat, I, I'm just, I'm surprised Barzell is not leading the league in giveaways. He's not even close, by the way. It's less than one a game, uh, apparently, per 60. Um, so my theory was wrong. But, you know, then during the game, he gives he, he had two giveaways on one shift, and they're on the blue line. And then one, one of them led to a rush. He breaks it up and then gives it right back. And I think they're, I think they're trying to do too much. Everly is lost. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. Every once in a while, you see him, and you're like, "Oh my god, he can skate! He's got a lot more speed and can use his body positioning like he's a pro, like he's a really good player." And then he's a ghost a lot of the time. What What do you think about, regardless of Komarov? Um, this isn't the NBA where one guy can kind of take over, but two two thirds of your line that have been playing together for the better part of two seasons. Um, Shouldn't they be able to put that together? Yeah, and um, especially because they we, we've spoken to them in the past about playing together and how they constantly talk about how they have such a great partnership together and it's a symbiotic relationship on that line. Um, but these are the pitfalls that come with a streaky player like Jordan Everly, who you know kind of takes the back seat when you talk about a streaky goal scorer because Anthony Bavillier is on this team too. Um, 
and, and I think, you know, that's a big problem with this team. Um, everybody gets hot at the same time and everybody kind of falls off at the same time. Um, where everything Jordan Everly was touching the first two, three weeks of the season was, was gold. He was shooting at like a, a 25% clip at one point uh, at the start. And, uh, you know, you kind of see that aggression die down a little bit. And you see the um, not not so much the panic, but the pressure start getting to Matthew Barzal, like you just said, where you know this is a guy where he gets on the puck and it's it's pass first. Now all of a sudden he's getting on the puck and it's move first, um, and and that's pretty difficult to do when everybody and their mother is expecting you to try to do something special with the puck on your stick. Um, so I it, saw that during the Pittsburgh game that he was double teamed every single time in the corner. There were two guys on him. If he got the puck on the outside uh, near the hash marks on the half wall there, there, there were two penguins on him every time because there's no one to give the puck to. Eberle and um, Dominic Moore, who was on the call last night on NBC with, with Brendan Burke, he made a point of this, and I, I pay attention for the rest of the game. Um, I'm, I, I kind of wish he said it earlier in the game, but he was looking at um, Eberle on the power play, but I kind of noticed it on at five on five too that Eberle's just hanging out on the on the weak side without the puck, and it's just Komarov in front of the net, and you got your umbrella, and then Eberle's the fourth guy on the umbrella, and it, it just doesn't work. He needs to get he really needs to be that bumper. I don't I don't know why he's not sneaking into the middle there that the 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 penguins are giving it to him. You're either going to bring a defenseman in with you or a player in with you a little bit and create more traffic in front for the point shot or your bumper option. If they don't come with you and you have some time and space. Yeah, so I'm not really sure. I mean, they, they, they obviously know Barzell is, is the playmaker, but without anyone to pass to, and you know, I don't, obviously they don't hold Komarov other teams rather don't hold Komarov in high esteem. A lot of Islander fans don't either. They're, they just don't, you know, they're not taking him as a serious threat in front of the net or, or Matt Martin, who did get one, you know, off a of Barzell pass. It was really lucky. I don't, I know, I think looking at the replay, you see the puck at like hip level and you're like, why is he passing it like that? Like, there's no way that that was what it was intended. Whatever works, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, um, but yeah, I'd like to see Everly get in a better position. I think he needs to, to, they need more movement in general on the offense. That they're not typically good at that. But him just hanging out in like an Ovechkin type fashion, where you know he's a righty and then playing on that right side, he's got no shooting angle. So he's he's not he's not an option for anything outside of a pass. And and when Jordan Everly is on, we see him do his best work when he is close to the net. He has a great set of hands, um, and he has that polish to his game where. He can finish over a goaltender, so that's what you want to see. Um, he's also a pretty good facilitator behind the net, but again, like you said, it, and we could chalk it up to anything. We we could even chalk it up to fatigue if we wanted to, but that's kind of searching for excuses in a way. But Because um, every team has a schedule. It's not like exactly. Pittsburgh is not going through it. They have their own injuries. Right. Um, it's really easy to chalk up things like that, and they're going to lose games. I don't, you know, that's going to happen. They lost four games in a month. That's pretty good. Now, they've been able to beat Boston handily, um, comeback wins, whatever, you know, 5 0 is 5 0. You know, they beat, they beat who they were supposed to beat. Philly was on the downturn. They took advantage of that. They, they, you know, they could have had three, um, but they, they kind of let that opportunity slide through their fingers. Um, but they lose to, Washington, they lose to Pittsburgh, and it's one of those. You know, Boston could be, um, but it'll it'll likely be Washington or Pittsburgh that they see in the playoffs. Um, and that's, you know, Washington's their next game. What do we need to see out of the Islanders in that game to start April ahead of the trade deadline as, as things kind of combine into the, the apex of the season here where things start to get serious. Um, what do we need to see out of the Islanders against Washington? Like they've, that looks like how Boston looks like against us where they, they just, they just can't, you know, we can't figure them out this year. Yeah. 
uh, you know, the, the, the great thing about the Barry Trot system is that through whatever little skids that this team has had, he's been able to reel it back in. And granted, we really didn't see all of it through last year before the pandemic hit when they really kind of hit their worst skid um, during the Trots regime, regime excuse me. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of been able to get this team back on track. And, you know, that's why they were off today, try to try to regroup in a way. Um, so again, like we expected to see in that second Pittsburgh game, you would expect to see the Islanders come out with a ridiculous amount of jump in the first period. But I think really what you just want to see is them, you know, recognize that the game starts on time, you know, just show up, show up on time where you don't have to, I don't know. I mean, you could, you know, you could hope that they go out and they pop too early and yeah, sure. That would be ideal. But at the same time, you're playing the division leaders. All you kind of got to really do is keep up with them. Um, and we've I mean, they've been, I, they've been, they've been giving up leads like crazy. Is yeah. it three or four games in a row? They've let up at least one, you know, and they've had to chase the game yeah. and that's not exactly their style. Exactly. It's, it's three of the last four. They've trailed to nothing. It's been the last three. Um, so yeah, this is not a team that can fall behind multiple goals because at the end of the day, it doesn't have the firepower to get back to it. Um, so you want to see, you do want to see that jump coming out of the gates, but you just want to see that structure and those mental lapses be eliminated. Um, because again, Trot said after the Pittsburgh game talking to us that um, he can't pinpoint one overarching theme that has been the issue here. It's been, you know, a bad forecheck. It's been a bad change. Um, you know, it's been bad. It's been bad penalties. It's been a you know, Pittsburgh game. The, the last game was, it was just uh, man advantage. You know, it was it was five on four goals, and they scored one on the on the man advantage as well. And um, it's really just killed them. They they haven't had an answer for that. I think too, what's been, I think what you said earlier, they're just letting other teams dictate the game. I know that's if I had to zoom out and I'm surprised, I don't know, um, you know, if he has alluded to this and, and maybe he's not pinpointing it to these particular losses over the last little while. Um, they aren't dictating. They they are letting teams kind of do their thing because even some of the losses, I think against Washington and that first one against Philly, they were the other team had played the night before and the Islanders had not. And that's what that worried me quite a bit where they lost both of those games did not learn from the one before and seemed to just let the other team dictate the energy and the tone of the game, which is not what they typically do when they're rolling. And I think, you know, to what you said earlier, when the team's going, the team's going, although there was a little bit of, a, um, the offense is spread out pretty good. I, I think this year, I, I think it's one line's hot. The next line's hot. Like everyone's kind of had their moment a little bit. It is a little too close together sometimes. And they do put up five or six in a game. It's because everyone's kind of, you know, one line's on the way out, one line's coming in. Um, so they win a couple in a row there and and, and pot a few more goals than, than normal than we're used to seeing anyway. Um, so it's, they really need to take advantage of other teams as well. I think there, there's just no, I don't see that as an excuse. They're just let, they're coming out and they're not, the, the fourth line had a little bit of a resurgence. They've fallen back quite a bit and maybe that's part of it they're off their game and that's a little bit that's the line that serves the drink i think a lot of people you know it's the identity line for a reason so if they lost their identity for a little bit then that's what's going to happen they're 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 going to lose games and i and i think you know thinking about um april you know the the whole season's gone by so fast april is in a couple of days um and or tomorrow when you're listening to this do they make the playoffs? Are you worried about them making the playoffs? No. Uh, Even with Philly, you know, and the rest of the teams having games against the bottom half of the division? No. Um, and and uh, I'll tell you why. Um, and it, it was kind of lost with within it all. And while everybody likes to panic during a losing streak, even though it's, you know, whatever, three or, or losing stretch, or you've lost three of your last four, or two of your last, whatever it was. Um, Barry Trot said that this is more 
his guys making individual mistakes. It's not systematic breakdowns. It's not organizational missteps. Um, it's just one guy making a mistake at the wrong time, or maybe it's two guys making the mistake at the wrong time. And Barry Trotz is a coach that has been able to rectify those mistakes over the years, regardless of what team he's coached. Um, so now on you know the evening of March 30th, uh, I, I still expect the Islanders to make the playoffs. You know, who knows if, if this keeps up for another week or two, you know, come back and ask me again and I might not be so confident, but just judging by the track record of the leadership that this team has behind the bench um, and the system that's in place, you should expect to see those kinks ironed out. It's the schedule's just not easy. They, the, that's kind of over. I know they have, um, quite a bit of games against the New York Rangers. I know we saw them seem like every day at the beginning of the season, but the last five games again, you know, against the Rangers for the season are in this month in the next four weeks or so. Um, but you're seeing a lot of Washington and Philly and the Rangers. That's pretty much all. And, and they are back to get back to back against Boston near the end of the month. Um, I'm a little worried. Because the padding is there, and they'll win games, right? Like they're not going to just lose out. Sure, they're not the Sabers, who we're not going to talk about because I don't want, feel like getting that upset. Um, sorry, Sabers fans, but it does. You know, they tend to get on these little. You know, they're three and three in their last six. They can deal with that a little bit, but as we saw towards the end of last season, before the shutdown. Even before that, you know, when you're playing around even NHL 500 hockey, means other teams are getting points. And when it's so tight this year, as as far behind as um, and excuse me, as I look as I look down, I want to make sure I'm looking at the stats here. I'm pulling a J. Maybe it's just host problems, you know, main host problems. You just look at your phone. Um, You know, Philly's only two games back as far as they played two games less um, and they're 10 points behind. That's a tough mountain, especially with how they've been playing. That's tough. Now they can turn it around. Carter Hart's a great goalie. They'll they'll figure it out. They can easily make a trade or two, even depth, and and really make that make that turn their season around. Um, as surprising as Gossespierre being waived today was, and Provorov not having the same season that we're you know used to seeing from him, they're still a good team. I, I still think there's there's a possibility there. Um, Boston only has 31 games played. That scares me, knowing who they're going to be playing. That's what you know, that's what worries me. So my expectation right now is that they're they're that fourth seed. I think they make it, but I think they're that fourth seed, which makes the upcoming games against Washington this month, starting this Thursday, really the litmus test. Can they do it? Even if you the season series is even at the end of it. Season the series are seven games. You're you know, just they beat Philly last year. A lot of games were you know they lost in OT, but so they you know they really I think the games three games they lost were in OT if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so they really didn't lose in regulation against them, but you still lost. And then the playoffs, that's all that counts. Doesn't really matter if it's four zero and three that you won the series. You still lost three games and it was tight. Um, they need to show that they can beat this team. And it's going to be good if they do wind up playing Washington in, in the first or second round that they can beat them. They need that mindset. They need to kind of get rid of this boogeyman that, you know, the same way that uh, Boston is saying we got to beat them these last two games. We, we need to rid ourselves from this. So if we do play them in the playoffs, we know we got it. We don't want to come in there as the underdog. We don't want every single... Uh, pre-game thing to be like the Islanders swept the Boston, the Boston Bruins this season, you know, and and the Islanders don't want that against Washington too, you know. As much as that's very, uh, you know, the Islanders kind of crave that underdog status. Psychologically, that's not a good bet. I don't know that that's something that they want to do. Um, so is that what are your expectations moving forward? So they make the playoffs. Where do you think they land? I think. I think they're close to what you were saying. I think it's feasible to see them as a three or a four seed. 
um, because of those teams that have games in hand, because of the strength of their schedule down the stretch. Um, I think the games against Philadelphia are an enormous wild card right now. Um, I don't know what direction the Flyers are going. The waving of Gostas Bear um, has some whispers coming out from the Philly papers and the Philly reporters that uh, they are clearing cap space to make a major move. Um, what that major move might be, I don't know. It probably has to do something with some defense, considering just how atrocious that has been and how they have played peewee defense over the last week or two. Um, so it's, I, I think they're a major wild card. Um, and I, I can't echo your sentiments enough that these Washington games are, and I won't use the words must win or the term must win, um, but this is huge. And to start the month off on the right foot, beating Washington would do a ton of good for this team in terms of their confidence, just as a reminder of, oh, okay, you know, we can keep up with the big boys and uh, we're not where we are just by beating the Sabres and the Devils. Um, that's going to go a long way. And, you know, they'll they'll say every cliche in the book until they're blue in the face how it doesn't matter. We just look at, uh, you know, the next opponent on the schedule and we, we treat every team separately. But you look and you see that zero in the win column against uh, against – the Capitals, and uh, who knows, come May or June, you look in the win column and you see a two next to Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, that's that's going to be there. That's going to create some doubt. And uh, again, just getting that first win, treating it like you know, treat it like a playoff series. Treat these last couple of matchups with Washington like a playoff series. Come out on on the right side of it, and uh, that'll do so much good for this team. Yeah, they play them five. You know, they play the Rangers five times, but they also play Washington five times. And you know, you think back to last summer, they they beat the Capitals pretty well, and it wasn't even close. Like four to four to one is, you know, and that's an okay series. If you're Washington, you're not you're not liking that. But when the Islanders were trying to lock it down, I, I remember part of the last five minutes, or maybe even more than that, of a game where they just totally shut down the Capitals they couldn't get anything going now this team is a little bit different than in that series obviously you have Chara um no more Holtby but you have Vanacek and Samsonov and both of them Vanacek's playing very well Chara is a force he's a tough dude even if he's not getting the same minutes and maybe as he was in Boston the Islanders didn't fare very well against Boston in the past anyway with Chara there so just you know Washington's going to be a lot of the same stuff um but the forward group's a lot of the same it's a lot of the same guys. Um, I can't remember if I just said Backstrom was out for that series, but like you know that played a big role. Anders Lee locking, but but now Lee is out, and um, and we're about to jump into some to some trade stuff. But that's you know they got five games to kind of prove themselves that they can win win the series, and they want to build like you said, we kind of build that momentum a little bit. It'll do them a lot of good. Um, but ten games this month are against two teams, so they they really need to kind of treat these like little playoff series even if they're spread out they need to kind of go in and, and build momentum one game it's cliche you know win the shift win the period um but they i think they really need to try to figure that out um you know you mentioned trades and and seeing you know philly might be making a move um at you know at some point they're cleaning cap space has anything changed for the islanders as far as what you think they need or what they're looking for or are we still in the same exact boat as really the last 10 years uh yeah no they're they're in a very similar boat um i think the covid absence of noah dobson also shed a light on the team's lack of defensive depth where you kind of went into things saying that okay you know you have sebastian aho and you have thomas hickey and as admirably as hickey has performed you're gonna need something else and uh I mean, he's not he's not noah dobson Exactly, and it's, I, I've given Hickey praise even before that. I think even starting with the, one of the last episodes that you were on, uh, probably uh, the beginning of this month, the first episode of the month. You know, and I, I've been I've been harping on this for a while. You you got to give these guys some ice time, so that just in case something happened, and it was bound whether it was COVID or twisted ankle or something, even if they were out for two games, um, 
but the fact I was curious, it was always curious to me that they didn't prepare either of them, Ao or Hickey, before, and they got lucky to to get Aho in a game against the Devils to kind of get Hickey in that mindset, put the veteran in against Washington. I think I said last week or whoever they played that game, um, and I think he's played all right. I think he's played okay. He's not what he used to be. That's absolutely for sure. But now you know what you got in him. You know you can you know you can plug him in if he's going to be around. I think he's got another year left. Um, but sorry, I kind of as usual, I cut you off uh, as to like what 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 do you think the Islanders need? No, um, you know if if there was more flexibility with the cap, I would say try and pull off another miraculous Andy Greenlight acquisition. Um, just to you know put it beyond all shadow of a doubt. Where okay, well if we lose a guy. Even if we lose two, we're not going to be completely screwed. Um, but I don't think that's the case. And, um, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. This team needs a first-line winger. Uh, you know, you can hope Kiefer Bellows can do the job, and, you know, he's there for a flash, and then he's not. And then you're dealing with Leo Komarov on the first line. So, um, and, and you can see what it's doing to Barzal in Everly's game. And you can see what it's doing to the rest of the lineup, where if you're relying on your third line, um, to do a bulk of your attacking and your scoring, you have a problem, you know, regardless of how good of a defensive team you are. So, you know, you can shuffle your lines as, as many different ways as you want. Um, it still doesn't hide the fact that this team needs needs another scorer now with Anders Liga. And that's where the rental comes in, and that's where the talks of, you know, the two big names that every Islanders fan has spoken for the last couple of weeks comes into play. So we... Um... Right before we recorded, we put out uh, for fans to ask us some questions, and on the fans, that is. Hopefully, they're also fans of the show. We like to think there's a good crossover there. Um, we might have something to offer them. Anyway, um, so Tim uh, Tim Gilroy had a really good question. Um, if the price is a second rounder and a mid-level prospect and the Sabres retain 50% of the cap hit, does Hall become the best option? Are, are we thinking about Hall first and foremost in regard to what the Islanders would have to give up? It seems like that's where a lot of fans' heads are at. Yeah, because you know the initial report from, I believe it was Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic, said that um, the initial asking price coming from the Sabres was a first-rounder, which is asinine uh, because you have a player who is in the midst of a career-worst season who's on an expiring contract where you will get at this point, um, at, you know, a month of him. That's all that's really guaranteed right now. Uh, you'll, you'll get about what? Yeah. Five weeks of him. And then he's testing free agency again. Right. Uh, and you're giving up a first rounder for that. That's, that's it. That's a very sizable ask um, in a non-traditional type hockey season for a player who, changes teams like I change styles. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. Um, so if that price does come down um, and it's a second rounder and a mid-level prospect, I mean, yeah, I, I do think regardless of how much he struggled, Taylor Hall becomes the best option uh, because we do know his pedigree. Uh, we do know what he's capable of. Um, and, I really can't discount the fact that he is going to go to a winner and actually um, play motivated hockey where you're suiting up every game for a team that has now, um, you know, hasn't won in 18 straight games. Uh, you know, that motivation factor disappears. You know, you're, you're playing for a team that's six and 23. Uh, that God, that's the worst record. Jeez. 82 game season, they're on pace that, you know, they'd be on pace to have 41 points. So we'll truly never, I think, appreciate just how bad this Sabres team is. And I can only, you know, think of the anguish that a player on that team is going through, especially a player like Paul, who is really, you know, he's, he's been the draft lottery number one pick winning specialist, no matter what organization he's been with. Um, and he's been with a few now. And that's, Again, where, and, and again, this is this is just me speculating, but if he were to be traded to a contender, um, I think that would really revitalize his game, and 
that could potentially give the Islanders that big time first line wing presence that they need, which is, you know, that much more dynamic than Kyle Palmieri, who might be a better fit for the system, but, um, you know, he's still not as ruthless as a on point Taylor Hall. Do you give up maybe a little bit more? I'm not saying it's a first rounder, but maybe not a mid-level, a little bit higher or something or an extra piece or an extra pick or something to get Palmieri if it meant he'd be back next season to plug in, to have Lee and really bolster that third line or second line. You know, you, you shuffle guys around. If you can sign them, it really, it really creates a tough spot for who you're going to expose uh, in, in the expansion draft. And maybe that's a reason not to do it. Just have the guy, get a guy on an expiring contract. It's, it's a pure rental. Know what you're getting. This is not Pajot coming into the lineup here and that you're, you know, you think this is a guy that you can have for years and years. Although it wouldn't surprise me if, if Lou went out and did get somebody like a Palmieri that he would sign, you know, some kind of short term deal uh, with, with the Islanders because you wouldn't have, Palmieri wouldn't have to move. It's a guy that, that Lou's comfortable with. It's a guy that, the team might be comfortable with, and I think we would really, really solidify this forward group. Granted, that you know a guy like Sezikis comes back, and that the forward group remains fairly untouched through expansion if they can pull off a move. Um, I think you're right. A first round draft pick is is much too rich for a Taylor Hall. I'm also of the mind, and I mentioned this last week, um, and I'll get your opinion on it too. I don't think the Islanders even consider moving their first round pick this year even if it's not as valuable just because i think they need it to to deal to seattle even if it's not as valuable i i think they need to make a deal with them and have that as part of that piece so i, I don't think that's part of any kind of deal um even if this year's this year's draft is kind of a crapshoot considering the situation with junior hockey and uh scouting and all of that um, I could be wrong. I just I don't see the Islanders going three or four years without a draft pick and necessarily, you know, lose maintain the stance that he wants to keep this team together. So I think he's gonna try his way to do that. He's not gonna he's gonna keep he's gonna do his best to keep Avilia. I'm not worried about Sorokin, you know, uh Mayfield. Uh, I'm just not worried about that. Um so I, I think they need to keep that as as leverage for the summer. Um, I think that Tim's package there is not bad for Hall. I I wouldn't, I think I said the same thing to Jay uh, when he was talking about getting Phil Forsberg. I'm going to be a little mad at first, worried about the future. Then I'm just going to enjoy him being on the team. So Taylor Hall, I I might not be happy with the package that goes back the other way, whatever you kind of, Oh, I thought that guy'd be good and you know, prospect or whatever. Uh, then I'm just gonna enjoy it. I'm really just gonna let the offseason be the offseason. I think you're right. He he would get revitalized on Long Island. Um I wanna say that Barzell and Eberle would be some of the best players he's played with in a in a number of years. And you saw what he can do when he when he dragged along with Keith Kincaid, dragged the devils to the playoffs in 1718, um, giving himself that that MVP, the regular season MVP award. Um, but I think playing next to Barzell, the pressure's off. The spotlight's on you a little bit. You're going to get noticed this way. Um, maybe more so than in Buffalo when you're having a bad bad go at it. But I think you're you're, you're playing next to Barzell and Everly. They can really make some things happen. He's a lefty. I think it's good. Um, you know, and I think... I don't know that you necessarily have it's Hall's a lock for the first line. No. Just just because Bavillier does look good at times next to Barzell and Everly, I do think they give him a shot. You obviously give him a shot on that first line. But I'm thinking about matchups, you know, um defensive matchups and the the other team kind of, you know, you're gonna put their best guys against your top line. You finally have a top line. Um you put Hall maybe with Nelson and, and Bavillier up on that first line. It's a little harder that way. It's a little harder to do. Okay, wow. Okay, Nelson can move the puck and he got some moves and Hulk kind of like scream down the wing and and get his chances. Bailey can he's a he can dish the puck. 
Uh, you kind of have to split things up a little bit. You don't really know who's going to be your, and then you have Pejol and Wallstrom, um, on that on that third line with really whomever you can, you know. Da- hopefully, Dal Cole comes back, and he and he's good to go. But even if it's Komarov, that third line, you know, Wallstrom and Pejol have shown they can they can they can play. It doesn't matter who's on that third line; they're finding ways to score goals. Um, so like I said, I think they give Hall that shot if he's if he's there. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to find the right spot for him. They, they try to even things out so that Trotz can do what he does, which is roll four lines. Um, surely the power play gets better w- with Hall. Um, so it, that w- remains to be seen. I wouldn't be mad at Paul Mary. I'm trying to think of other players that the honors might go for. I don't know if the Red Wings are looking to sell. I don't know what assets they're trying to, to collect. Um, maybe these teams aren't looking for that first round pick. And you got to start somewhere, right? Um, you, you can't start with a second rounder because then you're going to get beat down to a third rounder and some mid-level or lower prospect that you no one's ever heard of. Especially if you're going to be dealing with Lou. You got to start from a little bit of, as much of a position of power as you can. So you got to start high. So yeah, it might be rid- ridiculous to ask for a first for Hall, but you can't start lower. You right. know, just like at, you know, at a car dealership. He's got to start with a high number. You know, you can beat him down a couple grand off of, of a really low price. He's screwed. Um. So the same thing when you're selling anything, you got to start a little high, you know, you know what your wiggle room is. You can figure it out, but you, you got to start from a little bit. doesn't mean teams aren't going to come calling. Teams are definitely calling. Um, Kevin Adams is, is surely busy. I'm sure he has, uh, I remember back in the 2k, on uh, the hockey game days with the blackberries and the NHL games, the blackberries and the phones. I'm sure he's got multiple phones, even as a rookie GM and, and they're all ringing off the hook. Um, so you mentioned possibility also of, um, of of the Islanders defense, you know, possibly picking up somebody, adding some depth there. Uh, Rich Z Isles had a question about Mayfield's performance. Um, is that much of a concern for you, or are there other reasons for the Islanders to pick up depth? Um, you know, even when the defense was at full strength, you noticed that the second pairing of Letty and Mayfield, from a defensive standpoint, was the liability, um, and and Nick Letty was putting up a bunch of points, and you know there was a you know he was on a, a point streak a few weeks back, but you look at the stats and he was still a minus five. Um, Mayfield has struggled, um, and you know I don't I don't want to say that's too harsh of a word because I I really don't think it is. Um, he he has been one of the weaker links on the defense, and yeah, obviously you're going to have it's going to happen. That's natural. I think just with the way that the Islanders blue line is situated right now, um, that was the best case scenario where your third parent was, you know, 39 year old Andy Green and 21 year old Noah Dobson, where, you know, they, that that's where they had to be. Um, so it worked. Exactly. Like, you know, they were, they were playing well, you know, uh, current, you know, the teams that they were playing at that time uh, aside. You know, they were still playing well. They could have botched it. They could have been the weak pair. I think Trotz is just a really good coach in, in terms of the matchups. Yes. He's really strategic about where, you know, defensive zone starts, offensive zone starts. You had, and I noticed this a while ago, and maybe maybe it's still happening. I haven't paid attention in, in, a, in a couple of games of that, and mainly because Noah Dobson hasn't been out there, and the defensive pairing seems to switch up a little bit. Hickey doesn't really get the time, but... Um, I do notice Hickey out there with Barzell, and I notice Noah Dobson and Green out there with Barzell a lot to kind of even that out a little bit, because you're going to get their fourth line or, or you know their checking line against Barzell, along with their top defensive unit. They're probably not an offensive threat, so you get your weaker your weaker pairs out there, and with an offensive zone start, you, you know you kind of play it safe a little bit, um, sheltered minutes, as uh, smarter people might say. So I, I think Trotz is good at that. And that that's made Hickey not in any kind of bad situations either. He's he's not lining up unless it's an icing against a Sidney Crosby or an Ovechkin. Just just because you know it's just it's just good coaching. He's you know good strategy. You know he's just they're just good at that. Um, I don't know that I'm worried about Mayfield. I think you have bad stretches. I, I he's important. He's a big bodied guy. This is a tough division. You're playing the Washingtons and Phillies. You you can't throw Ajo into the Wolves. There, there's 
look, even if even if he really was truly playing bad, they still have to try to make a trade for something. You know, I think there's, you know, it could be as many as three moves. I'm guessing uh, it's only one just because we always get our hopes up, but it could be two. You know, I, I think they're looking, you know, I, I think fans would be really happy to see a depth defensive move, a third line move and a, and a first line move. Whether that's Palmieri and somebody else around thinking of that's just out there, um, you know, that, that can get over there pretty quick um, and get acclimated. Um, and then a defensive move, which I don't know who that might be. Um, somebody on an expiring deal that's not going to cost all that much um, and not break the bank, you know, uh, Ledecky and, and Malkin's bank either, just because, you know, money's tight, even if fans are back in the Coliseum. Um, I don't, I, you can't bench, you can't bench Mayfield right now. That is yeah. just simply not an option. Right. You, you just, you can't afford to. There's nothing else. You, 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 like you said, you can't roll out Sebastian Ajo. It's just, it's not possible right now. If things, even if things were to get back at even strength, I'm not benching, not Mayfield. I was I'm, I'm, I'm just not doing it right now. He's been, he's been too integral a part of the blue line as much as he's, and I'm putting in air quotes, struggled. Um, but that's, he, he is, uh, he's an anchor of this team. He's a foundation of this defense. Um, and he, you know, like like you said, he's physical. Um, you know, he's he's pretty immovable in front of the net. Um, and as as silly as it is, because it, it doesn't really yield much uh, in terms of results, he's not afraid to throw the puck at the net. Um, and for an Islanders offense that you know we see kind of the Jackal and Hyde theory, um, you know, it's it's nice to see at least somebody get the puck and just even blindly throw it at the net because who knows what happens. So um, I, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game that isn't really talked about enough either. Yeah, a- absolutely. Speaking of defense, and, and we'll close the show with, with this thought because it's something that I think um, a lot of fans are thinking about during the game and, and they're yelling at this particular player. Ryan Pulak, no goals this season. Continues to have an issue just hitting the net. I don't know what you do about that. Because it's a big part of why the the power play isn't as consistent as you'd like. Um, even if he's had five by now, that would make a huge difference. They, they may have been some of these games may have been tied going into you know getting an extra point here and there, collecting that loser point. Um, I want to see him have a big April. I really, even if it was two or three, get hot for the playoffs. Start collecting some more assists. Start being a little more active. You saw it in spurts. And Adam Pellick's actually done this too. Um, he's got some moves. I, I really, really like seeing that out of him um, rushing the puck. He did it last night. I think he just split like the whole team and yeah. just and went right towards the net. Um, I'd like to see him once he gets within the box of the other team, just let her rip and go hard at the net. Shoot for a rebound and, and go hard and let everyone crash. Um, be that as it may, at least he's hitting the net and, and kind of going for it. Um, what do you want to see out of Pulak? Is something similar there? Like you, you just need to see him hit the net and and get one, like open the levy. Exactly. It's it's just a matter of getting one. The floodgates are going to open, and and you heard it here first. Um, it's it's going to be a fluky goal. It's not going to be that patented slap shot, or even if it is, it's going to hit off about three different people. Um, but it he's getting one. And uh, I'll be surprised if it's not uh, against Washington. Um, what's today? On, on Tuesday. Um, on Thursday. Thursday. What, what are they playing next? I don't even know. I believe I believe that's Thursday the first. Yeah. Uh, wait. Not April Fools. Tuesday. You're right. So, it is Tuesday now. Yeah. Uh, they have two days off in a row. Sheesh. Um, which, which is good. And and this is and you said this earlier. Just breaks and just not to counterpoint really late. I said this was going to be the last point. You know, they've had two weeks where they've had two days off in a row. Yeah. So I don't um I don't know what the Capitals schedule is. I know I know they've been playing. Um they need to take advantage of that extra day. They got the day off today. They're probably at home. They have a homestand coming up. I think it's really important. They've they've played well at home. And I and I think they really need to kind of this is the time, these next five games, um, you know, you, you hope that Lou makes a move. But these next five games are kind of important. You're everyone else is going to be playing a bunch of games in that time period as well. 
um, it's things can move in really quickly there. Um, and then it's a lot of sitting and waiting. So if, if you don't want to sit and wait, if you want to, I hate this. If you want to control your own destiny, which is not a thing because that's called destiny for a reason. Um, but if you want to, you know, as, as hockey people say, control your own destiny and let other teams sweat it out. You got to put them in the position to do that. You want to make them chase you in the standings, get the wins. Don't just bank the point to lose the games and people can make up ground, win a couple extra, uh, and make the other teams just cause they have a couple games in hand to play. Uh, and against some poor teams may I remind people, um, make them win. Boston lost to New Jersey the other day. One nothing. Mackenzie Blackwood stood on his head. You you want that to be like, then they start gripping their sticks a little too tight. Then they're off their game. Then when you play them back to back, they're rattled. You know, so you you want you want you know you want the weaker teams to also do their part. <laughs> you know, thank God the Devils you know squeaked that one out. Um, but you want to see the Islanders need to these next five games are super important. I, I, that might dictate what my thoughts are for the rest of the season. These next five games, this homestand. That's fair. That's yeah. Um, that you're right. That that's fair. And and kind of going off of what you were saying, where you know the other teams are gripping their sticks a little too tight. Um, you know when they meet the Islanders, and that happens. This is as frustrating a team to play against. Um, you know when they, when they're going when when they're in that right mindset. So. Um, you know, all it, all it takes is a bounce. All it takes is a break. And uh, so what I was saying earlier is that, yes, Ryan Pulak is scoring on Thursday. You heard it here first. Um, and, and yeah, that'll be that'll be that. All right. Well, thank thanks, Joe, for filling in for Jay. Uh, Jay, we wish you all the best. And hopefully he can be back next week. I saw him on Twitter today. So uh, I know he's getting his strength back. He looks a little bit better. Um, getting a little color back in his face. Um, he's coughing a little bit, but, uh, looks like he didn't get the the brunt of it like a lot of other people. So, um, so yeah, thank, thank you, Joe. Thank you to the hockey podcast network, the hockey writers. And of course, all of you, thank you to rich and Tim for your questions. That's awesome. Um, yeah. we definitely want to start doing that a little bit more. We'll try to do a little bit earlier. Um, so awesome to see some questions kind of roll in, uh, a little bit late. Uh, please rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter instagram and tiktok at nasa and hockey and you can find our work at the hockey writers and you can also find joe at joe pantorno on twitter for a wide variety of sports coverage including the islanders and his work is over at am new york until next time let's go islanders